I've been worrying about this sermon. Some of you got it, okay. We're going to finish, believe it or not, it's a lot of verses. We're going to finish uh, chapter 6 of Matthew. You want to turn there. But I want you to get a pen or a pencil out if you have one. If not, you're going to have to have your brain really on uh, overdrive because I want you to do something before we begin the sermon today. I've entitled it The Anxiety Epidemic. I'll explain that in a little bit. But what I want you to do is uh, you've got your compass bulletin there the sermon notes or a scratch piece of paper or your neighbor's jacket, it'll work just fine. But I want you to write down two or three things that you are anxious about or that you worry about. Don't give me the church answer and leave it blank because you know the sermon's coming. No, what in the re- now or in the past, recent past, what are two or three things that you have been anxious about or that you have worried about? And I'll wait till you write it down. Thank you. Looks like some of you are writing it or you're praying. I can't tell. Your heads are down. That's good. Yeah. Well, we're going to look at this today. The word's anxiety, which is a little bit more of the fancy word. The simple word is worry. And I thought I'd mention a few things. Do you know there's a lot of famous people that have have written a lot of pithy comments about worry? And I'm going to just give you a few of them right now and you see if any of them relate to you or your experience or maybe someone you know worry gives a small thing a big shadow think about it I'm visual I get that that's pretty cool isn't it worry is like a rocking chair it will give you something to do but it won't get you anywhere (laughs) worry is an indication that we should think God cannot look after us Ooh, that's Oswald Chambers so Don't argue with me on that one, okay? Worry is putting question marks where God has put periods. Worry is an intrusion into God's providence. Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its strength. And here's one. Dr. Mouse um, wrote this, and it's pretty strong. You ready? Look at, smile at me, okay? Worry is practical atheism and an affront to God. Ooh, ooh, I worry about that comment. A wise person has said, uh, though we can't see around, have you heard this? Though we can't see around the corners, God can. God can see right around whatever that corner is that's coming up. How much better and more reassuring that is. I read a statement, uh, it's probably been a couple months ago, that just really impacted me as I thought about our world, as I thought about our churches, as I thought about our church and people, and it's this. The average person crucifies himself between two thieves. See how they did that? You ready? Number one, the regrets of yesterday. Number two, the worries of tomorrow. That'll preach. You may want to jot that down and try to remember that. The average person and I would say Christian, crucifies himself between two thieves, the regrets of yesterday, the worries of tomorrow. Dr. Charles Mayo called worry the disease of doubt. He said it affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system. And here's a quote from Dr. Mayo. I have never known a man who died from overwork, but many who have died from doubt. Wow. 
So why did Jesus teach on this subject? Well, let's take a look. If you'll join me, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Okay, You, you know that birds don't build their own barns, right? You're aware of that, okay? Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Let me go ahead and answer that for you today if you're, if you're worrying about it or thinking about it. You, as a human being, are worth so much more to God than they. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? God created us with body, soul, and spirit. God created humans, and it was very good. And we have the opportunity to relate spiritually to God like no other being or creature or plant or whatever can. So that's the, it's an obvious answer there. Let's move on. 27. Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? You may have a little um, reference for the bottom of the page there. It also could be interpreted uh, a, a day to life or a cubit to life, okay? So can, can that happen from worrying? Of course not. And why do you worry about clothes? Ladies? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I was not going to say that. It's, uh, guys, what comes into my head up here, it's, it's very scary. It just comes out. Have you noticed that? I am so sorry, ladies. I apologize. My wife does plan out what she's wearing on Sorry, she's giving me the look. On Sundays, <laughs> I have a little list. I'm going to be transparent with you. I know what pants I'm going to wear the different Sundays. And then when I run out of them, I just rotate them again. Ladies, is that a little different for you? Now, the shirt might change a little, but okay. And I know what shirts match. That way I don't have to go ask her. It's just great. Okay. Wow. And why do you worry about clothes, men? Learn how the wild, wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And if you've ever examined a flower closely, it's pretty amazing, is it not? It's pretty amazing. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow... Won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. Or as I learned that verse in, in the King James Version, O oh, ye of little faith. Which I've used that phrase before. I bet you've used that phrase before, huh? With some family members or kids or what? Yeah, I bet you have. So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them and here's the famous verse but let's remember the context but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you therefore don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself 
And then, just to be really practical and real, Jesus finishes it off with, each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. Lord, speak to our hearts today. God, help us not to tune you out. God, let us give you permission right now to evaluate our lives today. Not to show that we're dirty, rotten sinners. We already know that, Lord. And we're saved, we're redeemed by you. But for you to show us if there's areas of our life in which we can grow, if there's ways in which we can live more of the abundant life. So thank you, Lord, for your scripture today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So let's talk about, number one, just a couple points today, the epidemic. I call it the anxiety epidemic. Let's talk about it. But I have some disclaimers. Thankfully, no one's walked out yet. I appreciate it. Let me give you some disclaimers. I am not, when I talk about anxiety or, or, or worry or even fear, I'm, I'm not talking about medical conditions, okay? If you want to de- debate medical conditions, you can do that with me sometime. Not after the service, but we'll set up an appointment. But you've heard of bipolar. You've heard of schizophrenia. You've heard of some other things, okay? I'm, today, just move that out of your mind. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about good old garden variety worry or anxiety okay all right that's a that's a disclaimer here's the second one and i think the scripture does not say this providing for the future because we're going to talk about that in a minute providing for the future and being anxious for the future are not the same thing okay i'm not talking about planning i'm not talking about providing for the future I'm talking about being anxious about worrying, okay? Are we good? We got that? Check those off your list. All right, so we can focus in. Here's uh, my statement. This, I've observed this over decades and decades of ministry, and I want to tell you that it has really multiplied in the last few years, and it's this. Anxiety and worry affect tons of Christians. You can agree or disagree, but I'm telling you from my side of the desk, so to speak, Anxiety and worry affect far more Christians than many of us might realize. And different levels of it. There's many reports on this. You could do a little research. You could start with Lifeway Research. You could move into Barna and some other things. And if you'll really study that, you'll see it is there. It is there. Anxiety and worry for Christians over and over. And I would say this to you. Our recent pandemic has multiplied this epidemic. Right, um, uh, it, it's affected, and, and I'm not pol- being political. I'm not getting into things, but I mourn for some of our school children what this pandemic and what the adults have done to some of the kids. It's just crazy to see. So it starts with kids and goes right up into adults and everything. And I just want to say, for whatever reason, and God is in control, and I'm not God, and I don't understand it, but worry and anxiety has been multiplied. In the church, in the neighborhood, in the cities, in our world. Charles Spurgeon, remember him? I love to quote him. The great English pastor of the 1800s said this. Our anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but only empties today of its strength. 
So let's think about it, this ep epidemic. Uh, first thing that you have there in your notes is that we're, we're commanded three times not to worry. Did you catch it? I tried to emphasize that. In verse 25, in verse 31, in verse 34, we're command three times Jesus is commanding his hearers and us as we read the Bible not to worry. In verse 25, he says, do not worry about your life. What you will, what does life mean? What you eat, what you drink, what you wear. That's the world's trinity, by the way, all right? That's different than God's trinity, okay? You see, life is about so much more than these things. Eat, drink, what you're wearing. Now, all three were very important to his hearers. Even clothing, you think, okay, well, they didn't have malls back then. No, but their clothing, for most of them, is what protected them from the elements. I mean, when they had the garment and the outer garment and all that, the cloak and all that, there, there was a reason for that. So he's relate, they're understanding what he's talking about right here. And as, as we know, Jesus has taught us that there is much more to life with him. And so he says, don't worry about your life. Eat, drink, wear. Then we get to verse 31, and guess what? The same thing is repeated again after Jesus has given some illustrations showing the people that it's, it's, there's no need to worry. And the same thing is mentioned again. Jesus uses birds. I've always wanted to do that in the sermon. And flowers and grass as examples of God's provisions. So I say to you, don't worry. Third time, verse 34, he really gets them right at the end of this chapter. Do not worry about tomorrow. In fact, Jesus gives a command here. Did you catch it? We're commanded to let tomorrow worry about itself. Now remember, disclaimer, I'm not talking about planning. I'm not talking about retirement. But I'm talking about the, the fretting, the worry, the anxiety that comes. We're commanded to let tomorrow worry about itself. We have enough life to live today. Do you realize that today? Do you realize how important this point is for lost people that are out in our city? They are worrying about tomorrow. And for a Christian who truly is not worrying about tomorrow, that is like a light bulb for them to say, wow, something different is going on here. Listen, church, we have enough life for today. The problem is many Christians are not living life to the fullest each day. It's called the abundant life. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So if you don't think there's enough life for you today, let God do an inventory in your life to see if you are living life to the fullest. What does that mean? Living li the life that God intended for you and me to live today. Three times. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Let's move on. There's three reasons not to worry. Verse 26, verse 27, and then 31 and 32. Number one, verse 26, worry is irrational. Well, Lamar, why did you use that word? That's a good word, I think. If you'll really be logical and think about it, worry is irrational. And the example here is, look at the birds. Look to the birds. God provides for them. What does that mean? God feeds them. 
Did you know something, church? Birds have no refrigerators. No freezers. Some of y'all have two freezers, I think. Okay, And I'm not even going back to Y2K and what some of y'all did then. You're, you're still eating stuff out of your garage from Y2K. Right? Maybe not. We know someone like that, though, don't we? Yes. Okay, birds don't have refrigerators. They don't have freezers. Guess what? They don't even have pantries. Yet God provides. And then Jesus says, how much more will he do for you? And I would answer that, a lot, a lot more. So don't worry. So worry is irrational. Then we get to verse 27. Worry is not just irrational, it's also unsuccessful. Would you like to be successful in your, in your life? Well, don't worry as much because worry is unsuccessful. Now this verse can be rendered two different ways. That's just a fancy preacher term for translated, okay? Let's take a look at it. Both of these renderings show the Christian who worries will be unsuccessful. You see, you can't add any height to your life by worrying. And you can't lengthen your life by worrying. In fact, you, you could reduce your life a little bit. So we, we see that it is unsuccessful. Don't worry. And then number three, we see that worry is worldly. Well, how can you say that, Lamar? It's a flat-out sin. I can say that based on verses 31 and 32. It's, Jesus says, worry is for the idolaters. You may have a different word there in your translation. You may have Gentiles. That's not a good translation. Sorry. I'm not the whole translation. Just that one word. What, what he's saying there, idolaters, is worry is for, we could say, the heathens. Or the pagans, does that ring a bell? Those who are apart from God, are separate from God, have no relationship with God. They are consumed with seeking the things here that Jesus is talking about. The things that we are commanded not to worry about. Instead, Christian, let us be spiritual and realize and believe that our Heavenly Father already knows our needs. Did you catch that? Right in the middle of that. He throws that in. And we've already heard that before, haven't we, in the Sermon on the Mount? God already knows what we need. So worry is worldly. It's for the heathens, the pagans, the idolaters, those who do not have a relationship with God. The spiritual view, therefore, is to not worry. That's the spiritual view. And I'm going to give you a classic example I want us to turn to the Gospel of Luke, so go to the right a few pages in two books in your Bible and go to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I'll say the two names and you'll know immediately who I'm talking about. Martha and Mary. Notice I didn't say Mary and Martha like people usually do. I said Martha and Mary. Let's look at Luke 10, 38 through 42. While they were traveling, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now first, let me just stop and say something. You know who their brother was, right? Lazarus. Okay, the place is Bethany. If you go to Israel, you just go right down the valley, right back over, just a couple miles, right there to the east of Jerusalem. These were buds of Jesus. Can I say it that way? Good friends. 
we find that. That's why Jesus wept when Lazarus died and all that, okay? So, that's the context. Jesus enters the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet. Isn't that an interesting descriptor? And was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. The Lord's getting ready to put some, uh, some hurt on some of you right now. Did you see that? Martha is distracted. Well, what do you think she's distracted from? Jesus speaking and teaching his words. Mary's at the feet. She's distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And she's not going to carve the turkey. I'm going to have to cook it and carve it. I'm going to have to set the table. Okay, I'm making that up, but you get the idea. And I don't think I'm exaggerating too much because look at what she says. So tell her, she gives Jesus a command, tell her to give me a hand. Verse 41, Jesus now answers. You ready? Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things but one thing is necessary Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her Wow so we see here in just these few verses Mary was with Jesus she was listening the tense that's used here in the biblical language shows that this is done over and over it's continuous done over and over and over again this is not a one-time thing it's done over and over again she's not worrying but what is mary doing she is absorbing the word is seated it means literally beside she is beside our lord beside jesus and she is absorbing his teaching Now, it's interesting, Martha is the one who welcomed Jesus into the home. Good job. But then, just right away, we discovered that the scripture says she is distracted. Distracted, that word distracted comes from two words meaning around and to draw. The idea is this. She was drawn to different things around and around at the same time. Some of you know about that. You're very detail-oriented and task-oriented. Jesus did not say tasks are bad. But if they bring anxiety and worry, they are, okay? So this is what's happening. This is also in the imperfect tense as well, meaning that for Martha, just like for Mary, this was happening over and over. She was worried to the point that she got in Jesus' face and said, don't you care? I mean, who would say that? She said that. And then she went so far as to say, do something, gave him a command. And Jesus responded to her worrying with strong emphasis and emotion. How do we know that? Did you catch what he said to Martha right off the bat? He said her name, and he said it twice. Martha, Martha. So if you come up to me and say, Lamar, Lamar, I say, I'm in trouble. I know (laughs) something's getting ready to happen, right? Gregory, Gregory. What? 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 He, Gregory just woke up. No, I'm kidding. He, his eyes got big. Okay? It, it, what does that show? It shows strong emphasis and strong emotion. 
Martha was worrying and Mary was doing the one thing according to scripture, the one thing that was necessary. Isn't that interesting? It was not worry. Worry is not what was necessary there. Being anxious is not what was necessary there. It was the necessary thing was absorbing what Jesus was teaching. Mary was doing that. And notice the promise about Mary. Jesus' last words there. And it will not, she made the necessary, the right choice. It will not be taken away from her. That gives us the picture of eternal versus temporal. Eternal versus temporary. Doesn't, isn't Jesus consistent? Doesn't this just fit with a couple weeks ago? Lay up treasures in heaven instead of on earth. And then what we looked at last week, it just fits right in. So that is our classic example that I wanted to share with you today. I hope you'll think about that. Now, guys, it's Mary and Martha, but let's pick what names that we want to use. Amen? Bill and Ted? No, we can't use that. That's an old movie. Who? Oh, okay. Well, we got to have some guys' names, all right? We'll say Lamar and David. All right. I'll, I'll be Martha, okay? You get to be Mary, all right? That's the epidemic we have. It's not new, by the way. Do you see that? It's not new. Jesus' friends experienced it. Now, secondly, let's move on to what I call the cure. And it's the last part of verse 30. And it's also verse 33. But before we get back to Matthew 6, I want to read Paul's writing to the, the Philippi church. Um, Philippians, you want to jot this down? Chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Let's just spend a moment looking at this. Scripture always commentates on what? Scripture. Okay? Here we go. Don't worry. Sorry. Paul says, don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought or comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, oh wait, he's speaking to believers. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. What a promise. What a promise. And I would say most Christians, that's our issue. As I've said before, and I'll say it again, years ago a guy said this statement. I didn't like it until I understood it, then I believed it. Most Christians are educated biblically far beyond their level of obedience. Obedience. Another class, another book is not going to solve the problems for us. Obedience to our Lord will solve those problems that we have, those things that we worry about, those things that we're anxious about. Wow. Do what you have learned and received and heard. So Paul says don't worry about anything. It's a present imperative. In other words, it means stop, but not just stop. Stop something that's in progress. Okay, he knew. He's a human like us. 
We have to stop something because it comes back and back and back again. Instead, replace anxiousness and worry with what? What did the scripture say there? With prayer and petition through thanksgiving. And share your requests with God and then don't worry. And notice the opposite here in this passage of worry. What's the opposite of worry? Right here, it's clear in the scripture, it's the peace of God. The peace of God, which is different than, hey, peace in our world, right? Peace. It's not a Woodstock commentary. No, the peace of God is the peace which surpasses every thought. Now, wait a minute, Lamar. Every thought. Did you catch that? That includes worry. Are you with me? The opposite worry is the peace of God which surpasses, which explodes, which destroys every thought. And that includes yours and mine, our thoughts on worry. The peace of God, it comes and protects us. How can we not worry? Focus on all the things. Did you see the list there? List there? If, if you struggle with this, I would challenge you to take that list in Philippians 4 and just really meditate and contemplate on that. Focus on the things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, moral, and praiseworthy. Folks, we are not just to focus on these things, but to go ahead and do them as well. As we focus on them, we will want to obey and do those things. Do things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and so forth. And the reward is clear there. The God of peace with us instead of worry. All right, now let's go back to Matthew 6. Here's the cure as I see it. Last part of verse 30. In the way I learned it, O ye of little faith. That's number one. O ye of little faith. I believe this is the climax of the biblical paragraph here. It's a pretty big paragraph. I believe the climax of it is that phrase, O ye of little faith. The ultimate cure for this anxiety and worry is faith. It's faith. Notice Jesus does not say no faith. Did you catch that? He does not say, O ye of no faith. He's speaking to believers, to disciples, to Christians God's word is speaking to us today. Not someone who's lost right now. But for us, Christians, he's speaking to us. Oh, ye of little faith, not no faith. he's He's not concerned with the absence of faith right here. It's not an evangelistic passage, okay? He's concerned instead with the inadequacy of our faith as Christians. Remember, these words are addressed... Do you remember how we started? Best sermon ever? Do you remember the Beatitudes? These, it's still the same people. These words are expressed to those folks who believe, who live the Beatitudes. They're Christians. How can we say that? Jesus says our Heavenly Father knows. Okay, our. It's Christians here. Those, think about the Beatitudes. Those who are poor in spirit. Remember that? Those who mourn because of their guilt and sin and thus have seen themselves as lost. That's where we have to be. And then those who are saved or redeemed by God, praise the Lord, he does that for us. 
And then we begin to develop meekness and a hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Fits right in with these last verses here. Fits right in with verse 33. Faith is the ultimate cure. Those with little faith rob themselves of so much of the abundant life. Their daily lives, your daily life will be defeated if you're just worrying. A little faith is a faith that does not claim the promises of God. O ye of little faith. You see, there's Christians who believe on Jesus, but do not necessarily believe Jesus. They are mastered by their circumstances instead of mastering their circumstances. Is this you? Scripture's clear in multiple places. Stop worrying. Let us instead aim for greater faith. Well, let's move on. Oh, ye of little faith, here's another part of the cure. Seek the kingdom of God. Think back to all the right choices that we've looked at the last couple weeks that we're to make. Verse, you, you can look at verse 19 and 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. All these verses we've been looking at. We're to make these right choices. Seek the kingdom of God. If we do these things, then they remove the reason to be anxious or to be a worrier. Amazing things will be added to our lives. Did you catch that? Without exception, it says all in that verse. All of these things. All means without exception. So seek the kingdom of God. And also, what's the twin there? Seek God's righteousness. The word seek is an interesting word that Jesus uses. It means continual. It means habitual. It's a command. It's not, hey, try this. Mm -mm. It's a command. Seek it and do it again. Do it every day. Do it multiple times a day. It is continual. Let it become a habit in your life that you would seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek God's righteousness, not our righteousness. This is so in harmony with the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first. What does that mean? Didn't we, wasn't there a chorus written? By a lady who lives in Santa Fe, by the way, Karen Lafferty. I know her. Seek ye first the kingdom. I mean, some of y'all look young surgeons are looking at me like, what are you talking about? The word first is in there. Interesting. It means first in time, first in place, first in order, and first in importance. In other words, it is what dominates our life. Seeking the kingdom of God, his righteousness should dominate our life. Ray Pritchard said it this way. Listen to this. You tell me how you spend your time and your money, and I'll tell you what you're seeking. You can say anything you like. You can come to church and look very religious, but your time and your money don't lie. Show me your calendar and your checkbook, and I'll know the truth about your priorities. Little faith, greater faith. You choose. Worrying or seeking God, you choose. I'd like to close in this way. Still got some scriptures in case you want to jot them down. I like D.L. Moody's, remember him, strategy for confronting worry. Here's what he say, says. He's so succinct. Be careful for nothing, prayerful for everything, thankful for anything. 
Let us remember that worry dims our light, that is to shine before others. Jesus said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Let your light shine. We're like a city on the hill, right? Let everyone see it. Worry dims that light. It blurs the good works we're to do, and it does not give the glory that's due to God. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 16. God's to get the glory. Corey Tinboon offered a great prescription for anxiety, worry, and fretting. This, you'll have to write fast, but this is good. Look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. Isn't that good? Look around and be distressed, Albuquerque. Look inside and be depressed, our own sin. Look at Jesus and be at rest. So where are you today? How is life working out for you? I love to say that to people. How's it working out for you? How's life working out for you? Remember Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Promise of God right there. Psalm 55, 22. And in the New Testament, many of you know this verse. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you and me. Let us remember that this teaching from Jesus is to Christians. It's to Christians. So let me just stop and ask you today, whether you're in the room, whether you're watching online, are you, are you a Christian? I would say it this way, where do you stand with Jesus? This teaching matters not if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We call it the good news. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners. And that separates us from holy God. And I think if we're all honest, we would realize that. We would all be able to say, yes, I have missed the mark. I have sinned. Whether we have been a Christian a long time, whether we're a new Christian, whether we're still seeking, maybe you're here today and you're going, I don't know what is all this good news about. Listen, we all sin. And there's a penalty. It separates us from holy God. But God had a rescue plan. The Bible says he demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. God, with his love and mercy, sent his one and only son, book of John tells us this, to die for our sin, that we might believe, what does that mean? Trust, place our faith in that, and not perish but have everlasting life. What does that mean? To have that relationship with God, to be forgiven of our sin, to enter into a relationship with God, Creator God. That's good news. Has that happened to you? If not, you know, I mean, this is great to take a look at, but what's of most importance is your relationship, your standing with the Lord. Have you repented? Have you turned from your way of life and your sin and ran to God. And just, it's not magic words, but Jesus, I know you can forgive. You're the one who died, rose on the third day, conquered sin. You can forgive me. Would you please forgive me? 
and come into my life as Savior and Lord. Remember last week? They confessed Jesus as Lord, not just Savior. But be the boss. Be the Control my life. Give me new direction, new purpose. Has that happened to you? If not, why not today? God has you here for that purpose. Christians, let us seek the cure for worry by seeking the one who holds the cure. I want you to think about that for a minute. The internet has done many things for us. Would you agree with that? And one of the things the internet has done, and I, I know you people out there, you have become medical doctors. Our eldest son went to medical school. He then did five years of slave labor, I mean residency. He then did a year fellowship at Harvard in Boston. You reading an article on the internet does not make you a medical doctor, all right? Or me one. Or a financial advisor. I know some of us think that now, right? Or a great teacher. All these things. There's things that get involved in that. Listen, instead of us seeking the cure, isn't it better to go to the one who holds the cure? If I break my leg, I want to go to the orthopedic surgeon. I know you stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last week, but I don't want you doing surgery on knitting my leg back together. We're going to go to the one who has the cure, right? Why wouldn't we do that for the Lord? Listen, cancer is tough. We have cancer in our congregation multiple ways. When you get that word from the doctor, you're going to what? The one who might have the, the cure or at least can help. Isn't that right? We're every time, I think, just about. We're going to that cancer doctor. We're going to see the oncologist, I think it's called. We're going to do this, this, and that. Why would we not do that for worry and anxiety and go to the one, God, who holds the cure? As we close, I want you to look right now with your, your good eye. Some of y'all remember that last week? Your good eye? at the two or three things you wrote down. And I'll give you a second. Would you look at them? Hopefully you wrote at least one thing down. If you didn't write it down, I bet the Lord has popped something into your mind. I want you to look at those and you decide today, with the Lord's help, if you're going to seek the cure for whatever you wrote down that you're worrying about, you're anxious about, from the one who holds the cure. He doesn't just hold the cure. He holds, as we sang earlier, tomorrow. He holds it. He knows. God is the God who can look around the corners that we cannot look around. God holds our future. God knows. Time does not bind our God. Aren't you grateful? He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. He knows he is sovereign. Let's pray. God, I pray that we will make a decision today based on your evaluation of our life, on the things that we struggle with, we worry about, we're anxious about. God, I pray for those who need your salvation. 
pray they would turn from their sin and run to you. And with faith, give their lives to you. God, help us to not be satisfied with life as it is today, but that we might more and more live the abundant life, the life that you intended for us, God. And that that includes more faith, less worry, anxiety. That includes seeking you, your, your very kingdom that we're part of, seeking your eternity that we are promised with you. We're seeking your righteousness. So God, help us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.